Hi, Ford Slash listeners. David Swan here. I just wanted to tell you about a project that our TV partners Sky News have been working on for the last few months, looking at some of the issues we've been covering during this podcast series called Beyond COVID, Emerging Smarter. The documentary will go behind the scenes on drug research at places like Oxford University, as well as inside the corridors of power, where the government is desperate to boost our economic recovery. We're lucky to have a sneak peek for you ahead of the documentary's launch on Sunday, November 15th at 7pm. It's an interview that Sky News's Tiki Fullerton did with Stuart Robert MP, Minister for Government Services, on how his department had to lift its game at a time when millions of Australians urgently needed help like JobKeeper. The number of changes needed in an impossibly short time frame was pretty immense. Check it out. Minister Stuart Robert, good to talk. Uh, the New South Wales government seems to have been a, a standout in terms of its management of COVID. That wasn't an accident? No, I, I think you're right. I think New South Wales has been a standout, but their bureaucracy is very strong. Their leadership is good. Uh, their service delivery ministers, the likes of Minister Dominello, I think are excellent and good to work with. And from an interplay with the Commonwealth, uh, it's quite seamless. So I think they are well prepared, but more importantly, they invested a lot of time into their public service and their public service leadership. Uh, and that makes a big difference. The federal government has transformed government services in your portfolio. Just what have you achieved? When we won in May 2019, so last year, the Prime Minister took some inspiration from New South Wales, where uh, under Barry O'Farrell's government, Services New South Wales has been established and has achieved some really outstanding results. So the Prime Minister announced that service delivery for the federal government would be done not through a government department, which was Human Services, but through a new agency, Services Australia. So we started the transformation, uh, a massive transformation, to take a big government department, 32,000 people, into a customer service responsive agency. A whole new leadership, a whole new direction, whole new transformation at the same time whilst doing the traditional payment tasks of government. Uh, and then of course 12 months ago we hit the Queensland fires and we've been fighting our way through emergency after emergency since. But it's been an extraordinary journey transforming a government department into a service-focused agency. You talk about being hit by these various crises in recent months. Just how important has it been to be on your way in this transformation in terms of handling these crises? Oh, massively. I'm not too sure we would have been able to deal with it unless we'd started the transformation. For example, uh, 18 months ago when I took over uh, the department and formed Services Australia, uh, we would hang up, so call, call wait, put you on hold, 150,000 Australians every day on the line. You just wouldn't be able to get through. Uh, today, that's zero. If you did get through, we'd wait, make you wait for at least 17 minutes, if not longer, on the phone. Uh, yesterday, you waited 43 seconds and 130,000 people called through. Uh, 70,000 people came to a shop front 18 months ago. Today it's 35,000. But 18 months ago, only half a million Australians would log on to our digital channels. Yesterday it was 2.6 million logons. And the numbers go on and on. So it's been a massive digital revolution within Services Australia. Getting all payments online, uh, getting the capacity for people to do their identity, get their customer reference number, so therefore they could process their applications uh, online, a huge digital drive, and we're seeing Australians respond by using those channels. Minister, you must have needed new skills. How has all this upskilling of your workforce kept up with new technology? Probably the first thing we needed was new leadership. 
and then we need a new culture because culture drives everything. I think it was Drucker that, that said back in the 80s that culture eats strategy for breakfast and he's right. Uh, culture is the way we do things around here and we needed a new culture that says we would achieve and get things done. We needed new ways of working as we worked our way through COVID. So tech teams were split in half in case one side of the team uh, came down with COVID, the other side of the team wouldn't. Uh, tech teams went seven days a week, 24-7 uh, op teams were stood up. Uh, and of course, as everyone then worked from home and Victoria went into isolation, uh, I've got 20,000 people in 327 service centres around the country uh, that I deemed essential and must go to work. All service centres were open, even in Victoria, even today. Uh, they all turned up for work, servicing 35,000 Australians every day. So we just needed to adjust and change skills. And of course, then the tech skills were required as we built out our digital channels. Uh, we moved to Adobe Experience Manager in, in the front end, away from a, a Java Angular space. Uh, so new skills were needed everywhere and they were needed very fast. How important has Australia's tracing app been? Interesting, the, the tracing app. There's about 35 around the world, if you think of, of, uh, of COVID safe. Uh, all built in different ways, doing different things and all part of different fabrics. Uh, I think what's been really effective in Australia is the public policy response, the clarity of the response, the track and trace capability that state governments have put in manually and then the COVID safe app uh, for state governments that are leaning in has just augmented that. So for example, in New South Wales, where we're sitting right now, 544 cases uh, were found because the app identified uh, areas and clusters that manual tracing hadn't picked up. So the app was designed to augment manual tracing and when used in the midst of a public policy response like the New South Wales government has done, proved very effective. What has been so clever about the track and tracing under the New South Wales government? It's just disciplined. That's all it is. It's disciplined. Uh, so Tiki, for example, if you were COVID positive, the the, the tracers would sit down with you and they would spend compassionately, sensitively hours with you, walking back, where have you been, who have you been with, what does your diary look like, you're sure you didn't go there, and it's not pejoratively or punitive, it's just where are you, and then public servants and emergency personnel would then follow back. They would call those venues and find out who was there and get security footage and, and just this disciplined, detailed approach to, uh, to contact tracing. And then the app just feeds in and assists that. But that's, uh, that's the magic of what New South Wales has done. Going forward, how important is this new system going to be for our recovery? Uh, huge. If you think about what Services Australia does, we pay over $210 billion a year. So it's the major payment arm of government. If you have a disaster like the bushfires, uh, we paid $223 million. Uh, and we can make a payment to you in distress in minutes using the new payment platform in terms of you calling us. We run the biggest call centres in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, we run the biggest tech shop in the country. There, there is not a single tech shop bigger th than ours. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, the transactions we put through are more than the four big banks put together. So Services Australia is a very large bank, the bank for government, what it does. So as we move forward to give people confidence that any claims they have for payments, any claims they have for assistance will be processed quickly. Right now, I've got 26,000 claims on hand. That's one and a half days worth. That's the speed of delivery that Australians are getting. So Minister, as Treasurer Josh Frydenberg moves on job keeper, job seeker, 
you're able to, to deal with all these quick turnaround changes? We can. And during the pandemic, uh, my policy friends, because uh, my policy colleague ministers make all sorts of announcements, but I have to implement everything with Services Australia. We are the implementer. Uh, there were 50 different policy changes across 20 payments across 14 departments that we had to implement and of course everyone wants it done tomorrow and these are very sophisticated systems uh, reaching back to very large IBM mainframes that have to be changed. Uh, some of the changes were in software that is 30 years old. Uh, it, for example, Model 204 is a code based. No one else in the world runs that. Now we're moving off that and I'll be done with that in probably two years time. But they're the complex changes we have to make when policy changes and they're done fast and they're done quickly. And the policy changes we've made and the tech changes that have gone with that this year is probably four or five years worth in one year. It's quite extraordinary. We even did 300 Medicare schedules. We normally do that in a year. We did that in a week. You mentioned IBM there. Who does the government use? All sorts of different tech businesses? We do because we're so large in terms of where we sit. But in terms of mainframes, I think there's 28 mainframes in the public service uh, across state and federal government, 18 of them in the federal government. Uh, I've got four of them, uh, and of course it's all an, an IBM mainframe, so IBM's a, a key partner for ours. <clears throat> and of course the beauty of a mainframe, it just runs, and it runs fast. It's very, very fast tin, which is superb. But what I need to do is transform uh, into our mainframe off legacy operating systems, get it onto Red Hat Linux, uh, which is a ubiquitous operating system, uh, and that'll allow us to use that fast in a whole lot better. That's gonna be pretty exciting. And do you personally have any takeaways from this extraordinary transition? Goodness, we did some things really well, uh, and we, we, we struggled with some things, of course, uh, because we've, we had to run the bank, we had to do all processing, all payments for government at the same time as we transformed. Uh, and of course, when the pandemic started, uh, we ended up processing over 1.3 million claims uh, in 55 days, which is two and a half years worth in, in two months. And the list goes on of the things we had to do really quickly. But if I sit back and look at what drove the success of that, the leadership of Services Australia was outstanding, absolutely outstanding, uh, led by Rebecca Skinner and her team. She did an amazing job, but it's a whole new leadership, all of them. Uh, the, the culture that's being set now that is all about serving Australians, uh, as I say to my leadership team and then they continue, is that if, uh, if service is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. We are here to serve Australians. And then transforming the culture to one that is simple, helpful, transparent and respectful. That's what we're driving. Every time decisions are made, everything we put in place, I feel for my poor agents, they've got a minister saying, is this simple? For Australians to use? Is it helpful? Are we being respectful and transparent to Australian citizens? That's the service delivery revolution we're taking. What about privacy and cyber? How much of a, an everyday challenge has that become for you? It's, it's something we just have to live with. We run probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest cyber operations centre uh, in the country, because remember we're the bank of government. So those who are seeking to, to rip off government, when they talk about that, they're seeking to rip off us. We're the bank of government. So we run a very large cyber operations centre, of course, in league with the Australian Signals Directorate uh, as the key lead for, for cyber in the country. Uh, so we take it incredibly seriously and we take fraud very seriously and identity very seriously. Uh, hence in the budget, there's the last quarter of a billion dollars to finalise a, a ubiquitous digital identity for all Australians so they can have absolute security regarding their identity. And privacy is important. 
We know a lot about Australian citizens because we, we pay everything to them. We do all their Medicare claims for any Medicare services they do. Uh, any assistance they get in, in children or other areas, we're the, the organisation that processes it. So we have a lot of data, very sensitive data, about Australians, including health data, uh, and protecting that and ensuring the privacy of Australians is very important. So do you think we've got the balance right with uh, MyGov, uh, which of course is the, the centre point for the customer? Um, have we got the balance right in terms of privacy and identity? Uh, yes, and we're going to have it even, even better. So MyGov, if you go to MyGov now, you'll see the MyGov beta, or MyGov blue as we call it, which is the future of MyGov. It's like logging into Netflix is where it's going to be. And, and the citizen will have a single view of government. Uh, by the end of the year, we'll have MyGov ID attached to it. And hopefully first quarter next year, we'll have full facial verification for identity attached to it. That way a citizen will be able to uh, log into MyGov, either on an app or, or on a digital channel, identify themselves through their own facial biometric, in the same way you do with your Apple phone now. So absolute assurity that only they can log in and they'll have a full view of their data and their interaction with government. And, and if anything's wrong, they can change it. They'll have a full visibility of payments, of any debts they may have and why a debt's been raised, because transparency is very important. Uh, and it's going to be easy to go through because we need to be respectful of citizens' time. So the last big piece, or two big pieces, is the, the full rollout of the new MyGov, the new Services Australia app, if you like, uh, and attaching digital identity to that, and that just locks down the full privacy for the citizen for their information on their account. But that's a long way from an Australia card, which some in the public might be concerned about. Oh, correct. So we're not going with an Australia card. We'll, we've got one trusted digital identity framework across the country that all the states and territories have agreed with, which is superb. We've got MyGov ID, so a government ID you can have. Uh, Australia Post is doing DigiID. It may be that uh, FPOS does an FPOS ID. Maybe Telstra does a Telstra ID. And any citizen can choose any digital identity they'd like because it's all built to the same trusted digital identity framework, which means your Telstra ID will be able to be used to log into all of our government systems. Likewise, you'll be able to use a MyGov ID, if you have one, to log into Telstra systems. Or you could choose Pharmacy ID. I don't mind. Maybe IBM ID. As long as it's built to the trusted digital identity framework, it is completely interoperable as a federated model, and that way there's no Australia card. There's no Big Brother. You can choose whatever digital identity you want, uh, and then have a ubiquitous access to your services. Mr Robert, so interesting. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. That was Tiki Fullerton talking to Stuart Robert there. Tiki will be talking to other leading figures in the economic recovery, including Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, National COVID-19 Commission Chairman Neville Power and Woodside CEO Peter Coleman. It should make for fascinating viewing. You can catch it on Sunday 15th of November at 7pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Sky News. Thanks very much for listening.